When heat waves descend, cities often experience especially extreme heat. That's due to the urban heat island effect. A recent report took another look at that effect to understand where heat is most intense in American cities, including Milwaukee. The work echoes findings from a mapping campaign that took place last summer. It recorded a 10-degree difference in the evening between the hottest and coolest parts of Milwaukee. The hottest spots were in dense urban areas. Young Kim is the executive director of the environmental nonprofit Groundwork Milwaukee. Danelle Cross is the executive director of Metcalf Park Community Bridges, located in one of Milwaukee's hot spots for extreme heat. They join WUWM's Lena Tran. So this report recently came out from Climate Central, which says that during heat waves, almost 40% of Milwaukee's residents are exposed to temperatures that are more than 8 degrees hotter than what the temperature forecast is. And I know it echoes what Groundwork has learned in a previous urban heat mapping project. So Young, I wanted to start with you. Could you talk about what the urban heat island effect is and what does it look like in Milwaukee? Well, the urban heat island effect, if you've ever been out at, say, midnight of a grocery store parking lot and it was a hot summer day, you put your hand on that asphalt and it feels really warm. You know, that asphalt just stores heat. And so the heat effect comes from lots of asphalt, lots of paved surfaces that are just storing heat and releasing it back into the atmosphere. And, you know, when you don't have, say, trees or vegetation uh, absorbing the heat or providing shade, that's when you start to get a heat island. And then air conditioners also have an effect. Buildings also radiate heat as well. Then there's also, you know, a cooling effect that comes from streams, lakes, you know, cooler by the lake, we like to say in Milwaukee presence of a water body does cool things off. And also when you have trees in a forest after it rains, um, the leaves collect water droplets and they uh, slowly evaporate. And that also has a cooling effect. So that's what's happening in certain parts of Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And then the places that experience the most heat I mean, we don't experience this all evenly, right? So often that overlaps with communities that are more vulnerable to that heat. Can you talk about what that looks like from your perspective? Well, I'm looking at it from a different lens. I'm looking at it as how it impacts the people that live there. And so what I would say is that one of the things that happens because our community is so hot is that the vibrancy that we want to see, we don't see it. So children outside playing, people doing normal things like taking a walk, and then also our elderly, the impact that it has on them and their health and their inability to be able to be outside and in a comfortable environment and being able to be amongst other people. In our community right now, right now it's burning up and it's not a regular heat. It's a different type of heat. It's on fire. You don't have the activity that you would want to have. People are not getting the activity that they need. It causes isolation. That's one of my biggest concerns. The other thing that I know is our community has been, I don't know if it's intentionally or unintentionally sacrificed. All of these factories that are lining our community that have been abandoned with no recourse, nobody's figured out what to do with these abandoned properties that's increasing the heat in our neighborhoods. When I think about it, 
I think about a community that has been undervalued, people that's been undervalued, that's been uh, sacrificed for profit. And then uh, because it didn't work out because we had the crisis, now we're just left with the mess that's causing us so much harm. But I'm thinking about it from a different lens. What is it doing uh, and how do we combat it and who combats it? Right now, uh, I don't think that it's on the city's radar that they need to be making some type of uh, investment in our community that could help us to be able to survive this extreme heat that's getting worse. And what does community bridges, what do we have the ability to do to help our seniors to be able to survive day to day in this extreme heat? There's a direct link between uh, practice during the Great Depression in the 1930s called redlining that the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration did in trying to provide federally backed home loans to uh, Americans who were in danger of losing their houses. They went in and they decided certain neighborhoods should get loans and certain neighborhoods should not. And so if we look at those geographic areas that were lined, literally lined in red ink on maps, and we track the satellite data that measures ground temperatures from uh, the data we have is from 2015 to 2020, July, August, and September. On uh, cloudless days, redlined areas are showing five degrees hotter than non-redlined areas, and those non-redlined areas have a lot more tree coverage and a lot less um, impermeable pavement. So there's a direct historical connection between redlining and the current uh, environmental conditions on the ground now, like at Metcalf Park. Lots of abandoned factories, lots of industrial sites that just reflect heat. What I think about that is that, so we have a history of disinvestment. We have a, a history of devaluing particular communities. And in order for us to be able to come up with solutions, people have to come to the table with the intentions on investing in communities like ours, uh, mostly co communities of color, to rectify a problem that's been created by disinvestment. Yeah. I mean, earlier you got at that too, talking about what you'd like to see from the city, Danelle. How are you thinking about protecting people from this heat? You know, what solutions would you like to see at at a city level, at a policy level? One of the things that's really concerning to me is the fact that the abandoned factories are still sitting there, wasting away, but also contributing to this problem. I want some solutions from the city about what they're going to do about the abandoned properties, what type of abatement, where are they going to put funds into abating this problem? The other thing is like what uh, Kim talked about is the tree canopy. We are continuing to have conversation with the city about uh, a tree canopy, but trees that communities like ours with the income that we have can maintain not giant trees that cause all type of problems with the root system. And so really just getting people to the table with that want to come up with solutions, but these solutions cost money and want to make the investment into creating those solutions. It's a big problem, but I think that it's a problem that could be that we could work with if everybody come to the table with good intentions. On our end, uh, as far as Metcalf Park Community Bridges is concerned, what we can do 
And we are limited in what we can do. And like young Kim said, we can't air, air condition ourselves out of this problem. But in the meantime, while we're trying to work on this situation, we're going to be looking to making sure that our elders have air conditioner. My aunt died from heat. She died from heat and uh, the windows were painted shut. So the, another thing that we got to look at is that we have some predatory landlords in our community also. Are they able, able to open a window? <laughs> Are they even able to be able to install an air conditioner? Is the electricity in good enough shape to hold something like that? So we have a, a lot of deep-rooted problems. And so we're going to look at what we can do on our end, but it's limited. So this problem is bigger than us. So it's going to take more than us to fix it. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your aunt. But yeah, it's like you're saying heat is like this pervasive thing. So it's touching job availability with the factories. It's affecting housing and the state of the housing stock that's available. Young, can you talk about solutions or work that groundwork is involved in or interested in when it comes to this issue and maybe how environmental justice is informing or shaping that work? The quick answer is to to plant trees. However, trees are not something that you can just dig a hole, stick a sapling in, uh, fill it in, water it once, and then walk away. A tree is something that needs follow-up care in order for it to grow properly. A lot of care needs to put in, be put into place when selecting where the tree is going to be planted, the variety of the tree, because it's going to get hotter, it needs to be able to tolerate hotter temperatures. And I'm thinking, you know, multiple years of follow-up care to make sure that the trees grow up properly. A lot of the trees, on, say in someone's backyard in a neighborhood like Metcalf Park, those trees have not really been managed. The city manages trees along the street, but anything on the other side of the sidewalk all the way to the back fence, that is the homeowner's property. And that is the homeowner's responsibility. A lot of those trees have not been managed correctly. Trained uh, arborists can look at a tree and go, you know, that that branch needs to come down because it's about to come, you know, the next wet snowstorm, it's going to come down and no one better be standing in this driveway when that happens. I mean, it's like looking at an eight-year-old and going, you're going to need braces. So we <laughs> we got to save up for some uh, dental work. So you can look at a tree now, identify which branches are going to be a problem. So it's not just a plant it and walk away proposition. It's really a careful, managed process. Um, and I do think that there are jobs to be had from tree care, training people from within neighborhoods like Metcalf Park Community Bridges to take care of trees and to manage the tree stock that we have. There are ways to do it right. And tree planting is naturally a generational thing. I'm not going to be around to sit underneath the tree. We're doing this for the next two, three, four generations. And, and then there's additional problems when, with a community like Metcalf Park. Our home ownership is around 27%. So now you're dealing with a, a bunch of landlords that may not see the value in having a tree that they need to care for planted on their property. And so that's the part. One of the roles that Metcalf Park would play would be working directly with the landlords to help them to see the value in planting trees. 
but they're going to have a question too. Who's going to take care of it? That's yeah. going to be the question. And who's going to bear the expense of watering it? Because water costs money. So a lot of times the tenants are responsible for the water bill and it's a hardship to be expending additional water. So who's going to bear that responsibility? And I don't think the landlords would want to cover that. So that's some of the things that we would be thinking about as we move forward. Yeah. It's like you said, this is only an issue that's going to become more present and more pressing going forward. If folks are interested with getting involved, whether it's like on the ground relief or like coming at this from a solution standpoint, you know, where would you point them and where would you like to see people jump in? I know that it is people out here experienced in uh, this type of work. And if they wanted to share their skill and knowledge about trees and, and share that with the community, I would appreciate that. I would appreciate if the alderman or the mayor or the, if the governor is listening to this right now, that they will reach out and contact us and say, this is an issue that's on our mind too. Let's sit down and come up with some solutions. I just feel like all interested parties come together and figure, and let's figure out what we need to do. There are plans, large plans in place by the city of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Metropolitan Sewage District to uh, replace gray infrastructure like asphalt and concrete with with green infrastructure and to plant trees. So there are some efforts um, being put into place now. I think the key for these efforts will be a door-to-door relationship-based outreach effort to residents like those who live in Metcalf Park. It has to really it has to really penetrate the consciousness of neighborhoods like Metcalf Park. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we're doing and this is why. And not just like going into a place and being like, okay, we're making these changes here. That's why it's important for organizations like Groundwork Milwaukee to really partner with organizations like Metcalf Park Community Bridges to work with people, not on people. We have a history of doing things to communities. Those voices really need to be heard. The biggest example I can think of is how I-43 got built. You know, it took the path of least political resistance, and that was right through uh, Northside Milwaukee. Well, what I would add to that is in order to be successful, that people need to bring the people that's affected in into this. Like, like what young Kim said, this is a, a generational solution. It's going to take the people that live there, that's invested in, in this community, and then for them to bring their children up that still will probably be there to know how to maintain and to care for these trees. So they have to be involved and they have to be educated on what the problem is. And in most cases, they should be a part of the solution because people are more invested when they are part of the solution. It's time for the community to be made aware of these plans and what role they could play in helping to be part of the solution. was Young Kim of Groundwork Milwaukee, and Nell Cross of Metcalf Park Community Bridges, speaking with WUWM's Lena Tran. 